Well, hello out there in podcast land. Christian Music Guys podcast here. Jesse, how you doing? Well, a little under the weather, but mm, just a little head cold. Other than that, feeling pretty good. Nice. Well, um... <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, you're sick. Well, that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> uh, pray you get sicker. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, well, how was your Thanksgiving? Um, it, it was really good. Yeah. Um, um, it's one of the first years in a long time I didn't eat too much. Yeah, same it here. Just the right amount. I cooked just the all. Right I cooked all day long with my wife's parents and and my wife. And when we finally ate, I could barely eat a plate. I was just not You're over. Food I mean, at that point. yeah. I mean, I ate. It was really good, but I was just kind of like, all right. That was good. <laughs> yeah, I so, mean, when yeah. you're the one that does all the cooking, it makes a huge difference on uh, <laughs> whether or not you feel like eating after yeah. you've cooked for the last, you know, eight hours. Right. Yeah. So how'd you cook your turkey? Well, I um, smoked it and uh, with my pit boss grill um, using um, these wood chips, these wood pellets, and they're pretty cool. And you just set the turkey in there, and it's and it doesn't look like a smoker. It looks like a grill, but you just stick it in the grill, and it smokes. And just let let the grill do its work. And how so long does that pretty, take? About three and a half hours. So That's not bad. I figured no. it'd be a lot longer than that. No, about three and a half hours. And every hour, you open the grill and rotate it and spray it with butter. That gives it that nice brown crispy skin. Spray so, anything with butter and make it taste better. I know it. Yep, we love butter. I uh, had uh, well, I didn't cook anything this year, so you didn't cook nothing. Um, it was awesome just to kind of show up. I think we brought. I feel like maybe we brought a side, or maybe we didn't. I honestly can't remember. We brought mac and cheese. Hmm. Yeah, we we took the easy side. We were like, we'll make mac and cheese. Uh, was it boxed or was it homemade? No, I made. I, I did. I at least made it. I made it. Like I didn't pour it yeah. out of a box. Nice. Sorry, craft. You don't get credit for that this time. Well, the other day um, we sat down and interviewed one of uh, Christian Music's greatest singers. He was in a group uh, in the '90s, uh, all throughout the '90s and early 2000s. Uh, but my brother, unfortunately, couldn't be a part of that interview. But my other brother, Chris, and I were a part of that interview. But well, we interviewed Andy Chrisman from For Him. Um, For Him has been around, like I said, um, you know, since the early nineties. Long 90s. time. Yes. And they actually got their start in 1987, the year of uh, Jesse's birthday. The year I Birth. was born, man. I know it. And. It, it was all for me. That's what that's what for him means. It was for they were him, like, oh, yes. Jesse's born. We should we should start singing for him. Yes. Little known fact. And so in the interview, you hear some you hear some funny things, but we also talk about the mullets that they had. You know, mullets were like the thing back in the day. Permed and, uh, mullets, man. They had all the permed mullets. Um, Andy didn't have a permed mullet, but he had that, that just that 
Joe Dirt looking mullet. I mean, it was like nice. <laughs> Joe was, Dirt looking yeah, mullet. It was the straight long mullet. It was nice. Yeah. But anyway, uh, they got their start in a group called Truth. And we talked about Truth for a little bit. Um, there's a song. There's a few songs that I like by Truth, but one that Andy sang, uh, "Holy of Holies," and uh, I was telling him that we used that song um, several times, and we used it, you know, at, at our church doing Christmas or not Christmas, but uh, Easter and Easter productions. We would use that um, song, and then we would have you know ladies playing the angels, and then they would sing. I'm not saying, but you know, dance to that song. So, yeah, I, I know Truth and is a is a great group back in the day. But anyway, yeah, for him, um, got their start by meeting in Truth, and it consists of Mark Harris, Marty McGee, Kirk Sullivan, and Andy Chrisman. Um, they went on their one of their first big hits were where there is faith. Um, they had a lot of number one. Uh, hits on the radio, uh, multiple Dove Awards. They were New Artists of the Year in 1991 on the Doves, and then really um, skyrocketed even more in their career when the Basics of Life album came out in '93, which garnered um, Group of the Year award, Dove Awards, and um, actually I was six three. When that came out. I re- it was funny as I remember that album so well, yeah. only being six years old. Wow. Yeah, like this, you know, I'm reading on their Spotify account and they won three consecutive years in a row, group of the year for the Dove Awards. That's pretty impressive. Um, that is pretty impressive. And who so, would they, so back in back in 93, who would they have been up against? Sierra? No, not group takes... of the year. I would say groups of the year back in the early 90s. I would say... Um, Oh mercy, Petra. Um, yeah, well, probably Petra. I'm trying to think of, to think of groups um, that would have been also big then. Again, I was only yeah. six, so I'm trying to think right. back a little ways. So yeah, they were uh, up against you know other bands in the '90s like Newsboys, DC Talk, Jars of Clay, Audio Adrenaline, Petra, just to name a few. And um, oh, we say up against, but they were probably very loving towards one right. another. Right. Yes. Quite Thank well. you for my dove. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so they, you know, they've had a lot of radio hits. They've toured all around the world, um, all 50 states, obviously. They won eight Dove Awards, multiple Grammy nominations, and they have sold to date more than 7 million albums. So that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, my my experiences with For Him, obviously, um, just growing up, and actually my aunt, uh, Lori, uh, got me hooked to him, you know, when she was probably in high school, um, would play their cassette tapes and I would hear their music and got hooked to him by her listening to for him, you know, in at her house and and things like that. And so and then I would go on to buy my own for him stuff and I've seen him live several times. I remember at a a uh, music festival in Kentucky called Ichthus, they would headline you know, a lot or, op- you know, be the opener for uh, other artists. And so, yeah, I really have enjoyed For Him's ministry throughout the years. And um, I have multiple favorite songs of For Him, and I just love their harmonies. So, Jesse, what, what's your experiences with For Him? 
Yeah, I mean, so for him, is definitely one of those bands. Not that I never, not that I didn't enjoy them, but um, they're one of those bands that I listened to through you via via you and and uh, Aunt Lori and. I mean, they were on the radio, but I, I never owned or, or purchased their albums. But I mean, so like I knew all their songs because you guys played them. I knew all the and we and we had them, like you said, like we, we had a um, like church events that we would do. And we'd always play the songs. And, and so like I, I knew of them. I think I was either I was probably too young, like, I, I, you know, six, seven, eight. I think it's still too young for me to just go out and buy a, a cassette tape yet. Um. But yeah, I remember like listening to Basics Alive and singing the song. Like I, I, I absolutely remember them uh, and remember their uh, cassette tape. I feel like I, I still remember the uh, what the what the case looked like. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I, I think I have I have a lot of respect um, for their ministry and and um, you know obviously what they've done and the people they've influenced, and you can tell. Like with their music, and I've heard several interviews from you know uh, artists that are you know uh, uh, pretty big today, even saying that yeah, we were influenced by it for him, and so so they've left a, a mark, and you know, and, and obviously uh, still involved in the ministry. So yeah, I have a lot of respect for him. One thing that we definitely need to mention talking about for him is their classic Christmas album. Um, you know, they have one Christmas album um, as a group. So yeah, all the songs on this album are wonderful. Um, you know, they're versions of songs. They have White Christmas, Little General Boy, and actually that was Andy's in the interview. He talks about Little General Boy. That was his favorite version um, of that song. And then, of course, the the song that stands out I, that I would think that has been a staple for him and will be for many, many years to come is a strange way to save the world. And, you know, a lot, several artists have covered that and more recent uh, rascal flats have covered that song on their Christmas album. And Andy talks about, you know, how that came about and everything in the interview. So um, pretty cool stuff. You know, I'll, I'll, that is one Christmas album that I listen to every year. I've already listened to it probably maybe twice. Um, this Christmas season. And so, uh, yeah, um, they got some original songs on that album. Uh, In Your Care, Hold On to Christmas, and A Season of Love are original for him songs. Yeah, well, we hope you guys um, enjoy the interview. Uh, Jacob and Chris got to uh, chat with Annie for a little bit, and we certainly appreciate him taking his time out of his schedule to to answer our questions and uh, uh, share a little bit about um, you know, kind of the behind the scenes and, and what it was like and also what he's doing now. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. And we're back with the Christian Music Podcast, guys. And we have Andy Christman from For Him. Andy, it is uh, an honor to be with you this evening. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Good to see you guys. Yeah, you too. Uh, For Him is one of my all-time favorite groups um, back in the day, back in the early 90s. Um, I used to have all their cassette tapes. A lot of y'all probably don't know what a cassette tape is, but um, it used wait, to be. Wait a minute, Jacob. How old are you? Thirty-eight. Okay, yeah, that does make sense then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my 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 question is 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 since the mullet is semi coming back into style, um, is there going to be like 
<laughs> some new mulletness coming on <laughs> with Andy. <laughs> I heard not. Worship with Andy's mullet. No. Yeah. So, uh, I hope not. I, it, it looks good on some dudes. It ain't good on old. You know, even uh, I live here in Oklahoma and uh, uh, Mike Gundy, the coach of the Oklahoma State Cowboys, even cut his mullet. So yeah, at some point, you're just kind of like, guys, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, we just wanted to chat with you for, for a little bit and uh, talk to you about some for him history and um, the future of Andy, what you, what you have going on in your life right now. So um, the, the first question, uh, you know, I know how you guys started, but um, for our listeners out there, how did, how did for him get their start? Oh man. Well, if, uh, if anyone listening to the show remembers a group called truth, uh, that mm-hmm. was the band that we got our start in. So Truth was an ensemble that that started back in 1971, and they continued to tour. I think 2000 and maybe 2002, 2003 was when they finally when they did their last their last tour. But they picked up musicians from all over the country. So at any point, there were eight singers and eight band members on stage. We did. 340 shows a year. I mean, we literally lived on a bus with each other. And that's where I met the other three guys in 4M. So I got there uh, in the, in the fall of, of no, sorry, in the winter of 1987, Mark Harris was already there. Then a couple of months later, Marty McGee joined the group. And a couple of months after that, Kirk Sullivan joined the group. And we wow. did a thousand concerts together in truth before mm before we ever did anything is for him. So, uh, man, we, we were able to hone our, our musical chops and our ministry chops and, you know, figure out how to, how to take a tour on the road. I mean, that was what we did for three and a half years before we ever took office for him. So that's how we started. Um, you know, we didn't even know what to name ourselves when the, the record label came calling to, to sign us to our first deal. Um, we, we, we even had a contest on our bus, uh, we we're going to pay somebody 50 bucks if they could come up with the name. And one of the trumpet players, Dave Mantini, uh, I'll never forget him. He, um, he, uh, he came up with for him and we hated it. We thought it sounded <laughs> Southern gospel or I don't know. It just sounded, I don't know. We didn't like it, uh, but we couldn't figure out anything else. And somehow that name uh, got mentioned in Nashville. And so they started calling us the for him guys. Hmm. And we couldn't think of anything better. So they would not let us step foot in the studio until we signed our contract with our band name. So we're just like, uh, well, let's just go with it. And yeah. did it ever, day, did it ever grow on you? It's 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he doesn't come calling because the interest on that's going to be. <laughs> did that name ever grow on you guys? You know, it did. It, it just became one of those things where it's, you know, it's like your own name where you yeah. don't think about it until those quiet times when you're not doing anything and you go, do I really like my name? Am I yeah. happy with my parents that I'm that they named me? <laughs> um, I thought that way about for him. And anytime somebody makes a joke about it, you know, you're kind of like, oh yeah, it is kind of a dumb name, but you know, it 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 served us well. I think it really represented who we were. In hindsight, uh, I look yeah. at that name I, and I see it all over my office right now. I look at it and go, yeah, I think that was from God. I think that's what we were oh, yeah. to do. And uh, uh, yeah, so. Uh, honestly, 
without anything better coming along. That was kind of what we were stuck with. And, you know, I thought it served its purpose. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely for him. It was definitely for him to be named for him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We saw, uh, we saw lots of different versions of this on marquees. We would show up to churches or venues. We'd see the four hymns, uh, the, uh, the four H Y M N S. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it was all sorts of different. Uh, F O R. We saw that a lot. F O R. And uh, yeah, there were there were so many different ways you could play on that. And of course, we had fun oh, yeah. with it. You know, we would. You know, hey, if we were. Well, if a guy ever got sick, did you ever do three him? <laughs> yeah, we actually did. You know, <laughs> we had we only did a few shows uh, in those twenty some years that were just that weren't all four of us. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, you know, everybody had a joke of, hey, you know, if I joined the group, we would call five him and we'd laugh and go, oh, one's ever said that before. Uh, yeah. We used to do a point of grace and we called him for her. And yeah. <laughs> like, well, that would be more like the Catholic group. Uh, yeah. There's a Catholic yeah, group. And uh, we talked about one time doing a, a tour with Take Six. We would have called it Take Ten Him. <laughs> we had a lot of fun with it down through the years. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. One of my favorite songs on Truth uh, was "Holy of Holies." Oh, so you sang. do know Truth? Oh yeah. Oh, and uh, well, and Russ. "Living Life Upside Down" that Russ sang yeah, was awesome. Russ, that's right. But I really loved the "Holy of Holies" song. Well, thanks. Um, beautiful song. I mean, I know it's an older. Well, that song was. I don't know. Was that? I don't even know who wrote it, but yeah, it's it was an old Davis way before then, wasn't it? Yeah, it's an old Jaron Davis tune. I think he had written it maybe two or three years before we recorded it in 1980. Maybe we recorded that in 1988, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. My old church, we did an Easter thing, and we used that song. We had angels on the stage dancing, and we had different versions, and they kept saying, Jacob, try this version. I was like, you know what? It's it's good, but it's not good as Truth's version. Like, it's just, (laughs) that version just is amazing. Thank you. Powerful. That was my first really big song that I got to sing. Uh, the first big mm-hmm. song that I recorded in the studio. So that was, I, I really, uh, you know, just personally felt like my career grew roots in that song. Yeah. And it was, it was mm-hmm. a big moment every night. We sang it every concert. And oh, yeah. I, have, I, I've made a lot of relationships because of that song, just because wow. how it touched people in certain ways, or it, it meant something really important to in their lives. And, you know, we, I got to know people that way and, some of those relationships have lasted 30 years now. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're going to ask you some questions of our favorite for him songs and okay. we'll just kind of like get the background, the story, you know, there's when we were talking Brian with Brian Duncan the other day, we, my wife and I did um, a heart like mine. That was one of our songs in our wedding yeah, by him. Exactly. And the story behind it is not, insp- it's not this beautiful <laughs> butterfly moment. He was, he said he had like eggs in his refrigerator and one broke and it cracked. And he was like, thought of a, a line, you know, from a cracked egg. I was like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> Just ruined my wedding song. So, um, so yeah. So one of my favorite songs of, for him is uh, obviously where there is faith mm. and um, love that song. And so what's, what's the story behind that song? Well, there's a lot of stories behind that song. Uh, you know, that was a song we didn't want to cut. We were, mm. we were pitched uh, about 15, 16 songs for our first album. 
And we just didn't like it. I mean, we couldn't, we, we couldn't figure it out. It was so different from anything else that was on Christian radio or anything we'd ever done in truth. And it was written by a guy named Billy Simon, who had written it several years earlier for uh, a friend's funeral. And he had pitched it. His, his publishing company had pitched it to Sandy Patty and Wayne Watson and all the big names in Christian music. And everybody passed mm-hmm. on it. And it just kind of sat in a pile of, of, of pitch songs at Benson Records. And we had a brand, we had an A&R director it was this, his first album. He was going to, we were, we were like a band of first. It was our first album. Our A&R director, we were like his first group to executive produce. And then our, a couple of our producers were, it was our first time producing too. Um, and he was just in love with the song. And he basically mm-hmm. pulled rank and said, on behalf of the record label, you're doing this song. And we're like, okay, well, we picked the other, there were nine songs on the record. We picked the other eight that we really loved. And that one just kind of sat there. We all looked at each other. I remember one day we were all picking what songs we were going to lead in the studio, take a lead on. And that song just sat there on the table. Nobody wanted it. I'll never forget it. And this is is kind of a life lesson for me. Um, I just said, well, you know, if nobody else is going to do it, I'll do it. And it's crazy how that song just exploded out of the box. It, Mm -hmm. It like set all these records when it came out, how fast it went to number one for a, for a new artist and uh, the number of spins it got and just, it really catapulted us to a place where we never thought we would go mm. of our first album. And all because of an A&R director forced us to do the song and then none of us wanted to sing it. I literally sang it because we had about a two, two and a half week break between uh, uh, truth tours. We would, we finished our, 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 Two or the year before, on like December 23rd, we had about two and a half weeks off. We were supposed to be back on the road. I think we were like in Chattanooga. And I was in Nashville, literally recording that song up until the moment I had to jump in a van and get to sound check and do that concert in Chattanooga. And I literally oh, wow. almost sang it through my four or five times. And I'm like, literally looking at my watch going, guys, that's, I told the producer, I said, that's all the time we have. I have to go. Oh, wow. literally forgot about it, went on. And next thing we know that song's on the radio and uh, the, <laughs> we had somebody, uh, somebody at one of the truth concerts walk up to us and say, Hey, I just heard, we just got some news. You're, that song just went number one. We're like, wow. What, what song? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's crazy. I don't think the record didn't even come out yet. So oh, yeah, wow. that's, a cra- that's a crazy one. Yeah. Wow. Well, my um, one that, of course, that I knew just because it's the probably one of the most popular, at least I would th- say, is the Basics of Life. And um, what's that? First song? off, no. <laughs> yeah, no, right. I just think like I was just reading through the lyrics before, and I'm like, wow, it's so crazy how like how long how long ago that song was written and you know became popular and like it still rings so true on everything that needs to exactly. happen or like that needs to, you know, to be. So it really that's, it's how did more that... relevant than it ever, has ever yeah. been. That song. Yeah. I don't know that there's a great story behind that song as, as far as how it was written. It was written by Mark Harris and, and Don Cook. Uh, I know they wrote it uh, in a hotel room in Mobile, Alabama. And mm-hmm. they, they called Kirk Sullivan who sang the lead on that. And they said, Hey, we think we've got a song for you. 
and yeah. brought him down to the hotel room to listen to their demo. And um, I'll never forget, we premiered that song. The first time we sang it live, we were at the uh, Fairhope Alabama Convention Center. It was packed out. And we were just kind of like, we think this is going to be a big song. Like, you know, obviously we'd been yeah. in the studio with it. The label was really excited about it. We, we thought this is going to be a pretty good song. And we sang that song the first time in front of an audience in Fairhope, Alabama. And bro, I tell you, the place went nuts. Like it oh, was yeah. standing ovation for five minutes. And yeah, we were just like, crazy. we all looked at each other like, Oh gosh. <laughs> oh, we got a big song in our hands here. And here's yeah. the thing, you know, uh, an artist, every artist hopes for at least one career song, one song mm-hmm. that they're going to rem- be remembered for. And we already had that with For Him. I mean, with uh, yeah. with Where There's Faith. But yeah. when 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 the basics of life hit, uh, it was it was incredible. It oh, yeah. radio just ate it up. It was it was one of the first songs to ever be a hundred on a hundred percent heavy rotation on every single station in America. And yeah. it was it just it was it couldn't be stopped. So I didn't have anything to do with writing that song, but I'll never forget just being in the in the room that day when we sang it live for the first time and realizing oh, yeah. that God was going to do something pretty special with this song. And Chris, you're right. It it was uh you read those lyrics today and yeah. you're like, was that written like yesterday? Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, things really haven't changed that much, sadly. Yeah. Is that we're all looking we're all looking for a center, something that we can we can throw our hope on. And I don't know how many times I scream at the television, Jesus, if you knew Jesus, this wouldn't be happening. So yeah, yeah, that's a big song for us for sure. Yeah. Wow. I love, I love to hear these stories. Um, My, uh, one of my favorite songs by, by you, it was on your all's uh, message album, uh, measure of a man. Oh yeah. And the beautiful lyrics. Um, you know, it's, um, it's not how tall you stand, how wealthy are, how wealthy or intelligent you are. Um, but I'm found by the measure of a man. I really, those lyrics are just so awesome and really love that song and like to know the story behind that one. So I actually just got a, a text today from a friend of mine, uh, who's a little bit older than me. And he, he sent me a video of him listening to that song in his car. And he's just like, man, this song still rocks. This song is still yeah. good. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up today. You know, I again, I did not have a hand in writing that. Uh, that was co-written by Mark Harris. And again, just, man, just in the middle of, those guys were in a, were in a zone back yeah. in the mid-90s, oh, yeah. mid to late 90s. They were in a real zone of, uh, in fact, I'm looking at the number one plaque right here. That went number one, December 2nd, 1996. Wow. Um, so, right, yeah, this, wow. Okay, so what, 25 years ago today? Wow. That, was a that is crazy. <laughs> How about that? That song wow. went number one 25 years ago today. Um, I knew it was for me. Like, I heard the lyric, and, of course, the first line, um, no matter how tall you stand, I've always been the shortest guy everywhere. I'm just joking about that today, that uh, I've just literally been the shortest guy in every environment I've ever been in. 
and definitely the shortest by three or four inches in for him. Shortest on my staff at church by six inches. I mean, these guys are, are giants that I've served with. Uh, and so that song always resonated with me. In fact, it was my dad's favorite song because mm-hmm. he felt like those lyrics portrayed his, his existence. He grew up dirt poor in the Ozark Mountains, and he, he was a self-made man. He wasn't tall either. He was never rich, but he, well, he had a very full life, and he, he believed in the, the power of God in his life. He believed that he was somebody because Jesus said he was. And mm-hmm. he, in fact, uh, Mark surprised me. Uh, this, this will always get me. Uh, when my father passed away in 2008, uh, Mark surprised me and, and showed up at the funeral. Mm-hmm. And he, he had actually been on, he was on tour on, with his solo album. And he left and caught a, a red eye to come to the funeral and could only stay for a couple of hours. He had to get right back out to another concert. And when he showed up, we pulled out guitars and sang Measure of a Man for my dad. That's awesome. And that's uh, awesome. That, was, that's, that was a really special moment in my life. And I think okay. really honored the memory of my father. So, yeah, that song is always going to have a very special place in my heart. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. And um, to bring it to um, the season that we're in, the Christmas album, um, a strange way to save the world. I will always remember that song. Um, Jacob and my other brother Jesse always used to listen to that, the whole Christmas album. But uh, that one I always remembered. Um, but yeah, what's your what would you, what would you say would be your favorite song on that Christmas album? Oh man, I have several. I just listened to it again. We're we're just. We do the same thing as so many other people in the country. Uh, we put that record on when we put our Christmas decorations yeah. up. Uh, I get, man, I get texts and emails and Facebook messages every single year, right around the first of December, of people saying we're listening to our For Him Christmas album. That's like one of our our uh, yeah. our family's go to albums. In fact, I do a I do a Christmas concert here in Tulsa every year, uh, and. Okay. Uh, with with several artists and one of the keyboard players reminds me every year he's like man that was our family's favorite record every year we put that <laughs> record on you know as soon as as soon as thanksgiving is over that was the first christmas music we listened to so i'm really proud of that record i'm proud of the work we did on it uh, i would have to say my favorite song on there was probably our version of drummer boy oh that, that one's one, awesome uh that one uh, man it's funny, uh, James Robinson, who um, uh, who uh, you may know from Life Today, the the television show. He and his wife Betty yeah. was a big time evangelist for a long time. He would literally bring me in every year, fly me in, pay me an honorarium, take really good care of me, just to have me sing that version of Little Drummer Boy at his wow. at his big donor year end donor banquet, and he'd sit there on the front row just with tears in his eyes. Because he'd say, that's my story. I didn't have anything to give to God except me. And I just brought him whatever I had. And I've heard so many people say, and it was it was funny. I recorded the lead vocal on that at around 2 a.m. And this Christmas album was, we we, we kind of, we, we had to work really hard in between our touring schedule to get it out in time. And so there were a lot of long nights in the studio in Nashville. 
And I, I remember being in the studio around 2 a.m. recording the lead vocal for this song. And as I hit those, uh, those, those kind of those outro, uh, Lord, I will play for you, always play for you. It hit me what the song was about. I never knew. Yeah. I never understood the heart behind the song. And yeah. I had a spiritual, I had a spiritual awakening uh, in that regard, uh, recording that song. And I felt like that translated on the album. And I've heard so many people say, man, I never caught the spirit of that song until I heard you guys' version of it. Um, wow. So I always go back to that song just going, it was, and it was a great vocal arrangement by, uh, by our friend, um, uh, Bill Baumgart, who ended up playing a major role in our career over the next decade or so. Uh, and uh, that was, man, that was just a really great experience. Wow. Awesome. How do you, how's it feel to have Rascal Flatts cover one of your songs on their Christmas album? Oh my gosh. That was a strange way. Yeah, that was really crazy. Um, I didn't, I didn't see any personal benefit from it. Uh, that all, yeah. <laughs> but still, uh, Jay DeMarcus is a good friend of mine. Um, yeah. Jay and Jay, when Jay was in the band East to West, mm -hmm. um, they used to tour with us. They opened for us. They were label mates of ours. Yeah. And so, um, I keep up with Jay and, and we talk all the time, but it was fun seeing the, those guys just take that in a new direction and introduce it to a wider audience. I always yeah. hoped that song would would do what Mary Did You Know did. Didn't quite yeah. get to that level, but yeah. um, man, it, it has it has had a life of its own for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, let's uh, go to the next part of our interview. Um, what we call this the moment and what was your moment, Andy, uh, when you realized it may, you know, you may have been, um, a little boy or a teenager, but what was the moment that you realized you needed a savior that you needed Jesus? Uh, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, mm -hmm. went to a really tiny Baptist church where, uh, you know, there were probably at the most two to three kids in the youth group when I was growing up uh, or in the, in the, there was no such thing as children's church. You know, everybody sat with mom and dad in the pews. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And my dad was head deacon. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. So I was around the gospel all the time and I was aware of it, but I never had that one moment I could point to, to say, I gave my heart to Christ that day. I'd never been baptized. So mm -hmm. yeah. um, I was, I have a brother that's 10 years older than me who was uh, in college at the time. And we went up to see him on, I'll never forget, it was on a Labor Day weekend. We went up to see him and he was leading worship at a little church in Arkansas. And I was riding back with him in his Ford Pinto, this beat up Ford Pinto that had, you know, the, the back bumper tied on with rope. And there was actually a hole in the, in the pasture side floorboard where you could see the road going by. And this thing was beat to heck. And I'll never forget, hmm. Uh, we was, it was, there was a thunderstorm coming in, the weather was getting bad. And he just looked over at me and he said, he said, Andy, have you ever given your heart to Christ? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know that I actually have done that, like prayed that prayer. And he said, yeah. okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pull over on the side of the road and let's just do it right now. And so I did, I got down on the floorboard of that, 
on that 74 Pinto. And I gave my heart to Christ that night. And Mm. uh, I even, I pretty much remember word for word what I said. And we got back to um, where he was living and my parents were there. And we were going to drive back to Waco where we we lived um, uh, that night. And I got in the back of the car and my brother Jerry leaned in the window and said, Hey, ask Andy what he did for you got what he did tonight. And as we drove off, I told him, I said, I accepted Christ in my heart and never forget my dad going, well, that's good son, but you probably already done that a hundred times by your bedside. Uh, so, and I was like, uh, yeah, you know what? You're right. But at least I have that moment where I can look back and go, I was 11 years old in Arkansas yeah. in 1977 and I, I I can remember the prayer I prayed I remember the confidence I had and mm. uh, that was that was that was the moment I could always look back on now yeah. beyond that I've had levels of commitment you know oh yeah I feel like that night was my fire insurance right that that saved yeah. me from the gates of hell but yeah. there were so many other times that, uh, um, you know, that I've, I've been able to share with people that are very close to me and honestly, people that I, that I walk with and counsel, uh, and, and help train for ministry is that there are going to be some times where you have crossroads in your, in your walk of Christ. And you have to decide, am I, am I willing to go to the next level? Am I willing to go to that next level? And, um, you know, I think that we all have those those journeys. We can either stay right where we are, or we can continue with Christ. And that journey has yeah. those finish lines. And so I have a lot of those in my life as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we're. I don't think as Christians we're really called to stay where we're at. You know, a lot of people they get too comfortable. Um, you know, just staying where they're at. But like you just said, you know, we're, we're we are all called for more. You know, and I think if um, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to put on more, but you know, God, God has a purpose and a plan for each of us. And I think if we are not scared and we just listen to God's voice, then, you know, he has so much more for us and there is more, um, That's right. than just saying a prayer, you know? That's right. So, so when is the for him reunion? <laughs> well, exactly. we actually do one show every year together we don't publicize okay uh but okay. we have been a part of a of a uh a, a pro-am golf event that benefits the uh national christian collegiate athletic association and we meet in florida every march and play golf and do a little mini concert just for the attendees oh, wow. and that's about the only time we get together i will say we did get together. You can watch for this. Um, it's going to be online and then it's going to be aired here pretty soon, but we got together and, uh, covered some Carmen songs for his tribute. Nice. So that'll be airing here pretty soon. And then, you know, we talk about it. We talk about it every now yeah. and then just going, if we did get back together, what would it look like? Uh, what yeah. would we, you know, uh, would we, do we need new material? Uh, what would we do? That would be cool. You know, here's some new stuff. We, we do talk about it. Uh, there's nothing planned right now, but yeah. you never know. I mean, we never say never. Yeah. Can you say what Carmen song you guys covered? 
Yeah, we sang uh, The River. Okay. And we sang... Uh, Who's in the house? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Serve the Lord. Oh, okay. okay. That's a great song. Yeah. It's a great song. Um, a few months ago, or I don't, I don't know when you posted this on Facebook, um, but you had ago. post about a month ago. Yeah. You'd posted. No, actually it was about a couple of weeks ago, right? A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I don't know. He's like, what? Uh, well, my brother's a worship leader and he wanted to ask you this question. Um, I mean, I was just how you were, um, in, so in the post, you were saying that in February of 2020, you officially handed over your reins and you were talking about the importance of like preparing for transition and that you were transitioning out of being the worship pastor position. And then at the very, towards the very end of the post, you were saying that if you're a worship leader in your thirties, forties or fifties, you have a couple thoughts and I won't read them, but if you would just elaborate on those. That way I won't steal your. Yeah. Um, actually, let me uh, let me go to that real quick because I do quote post quite a bit. Um, let's uh, let's look that up. And I will I will quote it to you. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, yeah. Be aware. Of, be aware of seasons. They have a beginning and an end. So. I've, I've been at Church on the Move since 2005, and I've been a full-time worship pastor since 2000. So my first, my first uh, kind of dive into being a, a church staff member was uh, I helped a friend of mine start a church in Orlando in 2000. I just felt like God had started to call me off the road and out yeah. of Christian music, that that season was over and that this new season was about to start. And in uh, in January of 2019, I heard the Holy Spirit say, "It's this season is about to end, so let's yeah. start let's start working on a transition." And so that's why I resigned my full time position in February of 2020, not really knowing exactly what I was supposed to do, but that the Holy Spirit would start to lay out plans for me. Um, yeah. So yeah, every season has a beginning and an end. We have to realize that. It's when we try to hold on through the seasons, when they change, we try to, you know, we try to keep the, the season we're in longer than it's, than it's supposed to be is when yeah. we start to run out of steam. Or I think we yeah. start to, things start to break down around us. Um, and then the That's second good. thing was to train and give opportunity. Um, we, we need to train the people around us. Those of us that have, that have been doing this a while, we're to make disciples. That's what Jesus told his disciples. Go out and make mm -hmm. disciples. Uh, that's the best, one of the best things Jesus ever did was he made 11 replicas of himself. And he told mm -hmm. them, you're going to do greater things than me. Now, how crazy yeah. is that? And yeah. the last thing we want to do as humans is see someone that we have tutored and mentored achieve more than we ever did. I mean, that's hard. We want it for our kids, oh, yeah. but it's kind of hard yeah. in the workplace to see somebody profit off of the hard work that you've you've put together. So I just said, number two, uh, we train, we give opportunity, we correct, and we repeat. So that's a cycle of training. And number three, to remember that God's never through with us, ever. He only adjusts our seasonal assignments. And that's been so big for me to learn that over the last decade, 
is that I knew at some point I would transition out of the role I was in. I just didn't know when or to what. So yeah. mm-hmm. uh, what we have to do is just, we have to, we have to hold on to the reins very loosely. And, yeah. and when God says, open your grip, we got to open our grip and let yeah. it go so that God can then take us and have us, have us number one, hand off the baton. You can't run, you can't, you can't win a relay race if you don't let go of the baton. <laughs> you yeah. want to give it yeah. to the next person and let them go and let them run. Sure. And um, you also can't grab a hold of the next thing if you're holding on to the, the, the previous thing. So That's if you're good. really going to grab on to what you, what God has next for you, then you've got to completely yeah. let go. And here's the thing. The bottom line is we work for Jesus. If we're called to ministry, we work for Jesus. So Jesus handles our assignments. Yeah. So yeah. by saying, Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I I'm, I'm fearful of losing my position. I don't want to see anybody get ahead of me. Well, basically what we're saying is Jesus, we don't trust you. We don't trust you to, 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 um, to take us where we're supposed to go and, and have your plan uh, uh, go into motion for us. We want to do it ourselves. So there's a lot of trust there too. And again, that just comes with serving and reading scripture and praying and having a, having a relationship with Jesus and the Holy spirit where Mm -hmm. you, when that time comes, and we'll all hear it at some point, let go. It's time to do yeah. something else. You want to be fast and go, go. Okay, go. When are we going? Yeah. Are we going tomorrow? I'm ready. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's good. So how has the, the transition um, been? Like um, in, in transitioning out and training up? and. So transition is, is just that. It's transition. It's not... Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't hand in my resignation and then disappeared. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it is a, it's a, it's a transition. It's, it's me starting to extract myself and yeah. create a, a, I created the leadership vacuum over time and yeah. the vacuum will draw other leaders into it. So God's church is, is not going to be without the people it needs. Jesus will make oh, yeah. sure there are people there to carry on the mission. Uh, yeah. And the you know the good one of the the things I was successful at in ministry was raising up a lot of leaders underneath me and giving them opportunities. So I'd had yeah. three or four uh, men and women under me that had just been waiting, literally waiting yeah. for the turn, and they're mm-hmm. shot for leadership. So just to be able to just kind of ease out, back out of the room a little bit, and say, okay, I'm not, now I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to leave this in your care, this in your care, this in your care, uh, to where it's like slowly taking off the training wheels. Yeah. And then you turn around and dad's five miles back there, you know? Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's what it's been for me. I, um, I have extracted myself slowly. The church still loves me. Our staff still loves me. I, st- I will always have a place there, oh, yeah. but yeah. I've just slowly taken myself out of all the decision-making. And mm-hmm. what's wonderful now is I can come in without the burden of, of hoping that my ideas work or that yeah. the team I put together is going gonna, is gonna to work, right? All that yeah. pressure mm-hmm. that you feel in ministry week to week, I don't have that anymore. 
now it yeah. literally can come in as an encourager. In fact, that's my, yeah. that is my mission statement now is I, I sing, I coach and I encourage. Yeah. And that's, good. that's all I want to do. I don't want to, mm. you know, I don't, I don't want to, to solve your ministry problems. I just want to come in yeah. and encourage you. Yeah. That's good. Well, Andy, uh, what, so what is next in your, in your ministry? What is next? What, what can people expect to see from you in the next month or years or, or has God spoken to you what your next season in life is or. Yeah. So I've got a lot of irons in the fire right now. Um, I'll continue to, to sing and lead worship at church on the move. I do a lot of coaching. Uh, I've, I've developed a, a worship leader cohort there to where I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm actively training and pouring into young worship leaders at Church on the Move. Um, I also work with a couple dozen churches across the country where I help them lead worship. I, I coach their worship pastors and help them with team development and strategy. Uh, I'm big on, on defining worship culture. So that's what I, that's what I do at a lot of churches is, is go in with their senior executive team and help them define and point their worship culture in the right direction. I also do vocal coaching. I have a lot of vocal students here in the Tulsa area and online. I have a bunch of churches that I do online vocal coaching with. And, uh, I'm, I'm starting a couple of books, uh, on worship and vocals that hopefully awesome. will be done sometime next year. And awesome. yeah, there are some other things I can't really talk about right now because yeah, yeah. we are, uh, uh, they're in development, but they're very okay. exciting. Any so, more solo stuff we can expect? Or are you still? <laughs> so uh, just some things I'm really keeping on the down low. And, and sure. you know, I, I like to keep private. I don't, I don't like to, I like to uh, undersell and over deliver. Yeah. That's my personality. I don't like to over. It's a good, it's a good motto to live by. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> are there some exciting things coming? Yes, there are. I can't, I can't elaborate, but, uh, just had, and even today just had some really great conversations on some zoom calls about some exciting things that are going to happen in 2022. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to stay busy and serve God. However he needs me to serve him. I'm literally guys, I'm going to say this flippantly. Uh, but I'm, I'm at the beck and call of the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't plan too far in the future. I just, uh, take the opportunities that the Holy spirit presents in front of me and just, yeah. I go. And so if anyone wants to know what I'm doing, uh, you can find me at andychrisman.net and, uh, you can also, uh, I, I post a lot on my Instagram page. I'm just adding to Christmas. Oh, and I have a radio show. Oh, that's it. That's the other big thing that I left out. So on radio show now. You do have a radio show. 430 stations in 13 countries. We have Jeez. an estimated five to 7 million listeners every weekend. I play two hours. And you interview a lot of people too, right? I do. Yeah. In fact, uh, uh, this, this next weekend, uh, Shane and Shane will be my special guests on the show. Awesome. And yeah, it's just pretty much everybody. This past year has been a great year. Um, um, yeah, uh, Carrie Job and Cody Carnes, um, uh, man, Matt Redmond. Uh, gosh, just just about everybody you can think of. And uh, oh, Josh Baldwin, 
just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It was a fantastic interview. Yeah, I, I pretty much have just about everybody there is in worship on my show. And it's just sure. it continues to expand. It's just a gift from God yeah. that I never thought I would do. But yeah. we're going to we're going to kick that up a notch as well in 2022. And uh, there's some exciting additions to that show that are coming early next year as well. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. Well, we, Andy, it's been uh, it's been great. We really, really appreciate the the time that you've taken just to sit and talk with us and, and flash back to some for him days and even some even before for him days. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's been fun. Guys. Did, you, did you ever I, sing in high school or did I sing in high school? Uh-huh. Yeah, I was, I had no competition in high school. I, Waco, <laughs> I was it, man. I was, I was a lead trumpet player. I was first year trumpet player in our, at our, uh, at my high school. I was the only one that that could sing at the talent shows. I led worship okay. at my church. Um, I did I did a bunch of stuff out at Baylor University, and you know singing was was a really big hobby for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I just yeah. never knew how to take it to that next level until Truth came along. So um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 honestly, I've been singing my whole life. Well, once again, we just thank you, and it was an honor. You know, like like we said in the beginning, we love for him, love the stuff that you guys did and, and love the stuff that you're doing now. The other day, actually, me and my brother were talking uh, earlier in the day about your video of A Holy Night that you put out oh, yeah. uh, a few days ago. And that's such that's my favorite Christmas song. Me too. Um, but I, I just love love that song. And I loved your your version of it. It was, it was really awesome. Thank so, you very much. I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, so uh, we will put a link on our on our podcast pages. Uh, Andy Chrisman, you said dot net. Yep. Or dot com. Okay. Dot net. net. Awesome. And thank you so much. All right, guys. Merry Christmas. All right. Merry yep, Christmas. You have, you have Merry Christmas. So yeah, that was a great interview. Thanks once again, Andy, for taking your time uh, and chatting with us. Um, enjoyed that interview and. Um, Make sure you go to his website, andychrisman.net, for all future uh, events that he's been that he's doing. And um, hope you guys have a wonderful day. And uh, stay tuned because our next few episodes are on our favorite uh, time of the year, Christmas, and we will cover a whole lot of Christmas stuff uh, in these next few episodes. So yeah, Merry Christmas. We'll see you in the next one. <laughs>